Welcome back. Let's pray. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the gift of our lives, for the gift of this day, for the gift of marriage and family. And Lord our God, I ask that you would truly give us uh, insight and wisdom to know um, how it is we are to serve you today. Lord, give us the grace to recognize um, the gift of complementarity in our married lives. And we make this prayer in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Carrie, I think popcorn is going to be my undoing. Why is that? Uh, or maybe it's going to be portion control. You know, it's funny. I, I, I don't know if you noticed it first or I noticed it first, how prices are going up in stores. And um, when it comes to cereal, um, what have they done to the shape of cereal boxes? Have you noticed? Yeah. It's unbelievable. It's like they've made the front-facing panel of the um, of the cereal box like be the same size as it traditionally is, or the same sizes. But the cereal boxes are so much thinner, so there's they have so much less cereal than they than they typically do, and um, and the prices keep going up, and so it's amazing how uh, how difficult it is to find a good deal on something like cereal, not to mention finding a healthy cereal. Now that we're keto aware, is that a thing? Keto aware? Absolutely. Keto aware. All know. of a sudden it's like, you know what? We, we always make those distinctions between a sugar cereal and a non-sugar cereal. They're all sugar cereals. They're all sugar cereals. <laughs> all you got to do is take your favorite non-sugar cereal, like Rice Krispies or Cheerios or, I don't know, Life? Is Life a non-sugar cereal? It's kind of a mid-range. And, and you look at these like list of ingredients, and if sugar isn't the second ingredient, it's the third ingredient, maybe it's the fourth ingredient but in, in rare, rare, rare cases. But sugar is a pretty hefty part of pretty much every cereal. How about every food? Like, look at all the foods you can't have or drinks. Yeah. Yes, you're right. As soon as you're aware of carbs and um, carbs and sugars and how the impact it has on your body, um, even our daughter, Mary Catherine's getting into it. She works at a non-identified uh, fast food restaurant where they have to, you know, disclose this information. Did she tell you this? Yes. No, she, I think I overheard her saying it. I think She I was saying it to me. She's like, Dad. Dad, I was on my break and I was going to get something to eat, and I I asked for the um the like the calorie you know the big diet, whatever that like um, disclosure of dietary information, and she was like, Dad, some of our sandwiches have hundreds of carbs. She was shocked. I think She's, she said a thousand carbs calories. Like some sandwiches were a thousand calories oh, yeah. and calories. hundreds of carbs <laughs> in, in some of the blizzards. And she said basically the only thing that she could get was like a, a green salad. That <laughs> 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 was pretty much the only thing that was keto in the whole restaurant, um, which was um, very interesting. But I mentioned that popcorn is my undoing because popcorn isn't typically on a keto friendly list unless you get like, I don't even know why it's different than the other popcorn. Maybe how they prepare it or something but you know it's some special like lightweight less calorie version you say popcorn like it's actually popping say popcorn popcorn popcorn, popcorn. I, you know our kids <laughs> have always made fun of me for that popcorn but like it's do? a puppy yeah a puppy no popcorn. it sounds like that word when it actually sounds like the word that it's making the sound that it's making what's that called onomatopoeia ding um, dong yeah something right? like that yeah. So, anyways, it's just uh, it. The problem was was that um, I liked those little like portion. Like we bought a big case Costco. We bought a case of like individual small packages of the popcorn, and it was great because I would just take one out and I was limited. Um, unfortunately, they don't sell those at non-Costco places, and so I had a big bag. And all of a sudden, the big bag is pretty much an equivalent to a little bag, meaning I'll just keep <laughs> I eating it. Oh, my goodness. And it's just like, this is not good. Don't you love it when your wife gives you like a small bowl full of pretzels or No, chips? I feel controlled. I'm like, here, here, honey, here's some chips with your, your lunch. 
<laughs> you're like, where's the bag? I'm like, uh, here's a bowl. <laughs> yeah. That's so funny. Well, and, and it's, you know what? It's so funny because it's easy to say it when you're choosing it, right? When you're choosing it, like I choose the bag and I realize the bag only has this much in it versus here's a big bag and I can just reach in and grab handfuls. Am I going to choose less than in, that's in that little bag? Pretty much never. So, uh, you know, th- the way that things are packaged actually can be really quite helpful in terms of like limiting the, the portion. The so inflation size. is good because you're getting smaller, smaller, smaller cereal. Yeah. No, my kids take out, you know, they still take out these huge bowls and they just fill them up. It's crazy. So anyway, so today in Sound Insight, we're going to uh, talk a bit about um, just the way in which living your life in the midst of the summer, you, you face certain certain dynamics, certain challenges, and you want to help your kids be successful and you want to be successful as well in growing your life of faith. And so taking advantage of things like, you know, for me, I'm using the analogy of this prepackaged food. There are certain things that are prepackaged, things that you're aware of that you can benefit from if you're willing to put in a little bit of extra effort. If you're willing to put in a little bit of extra effort, you can benefit from these things that you already know that are there. So, Carrie, I uh, email. I called you today because I was excited because I copy. I had done a. Um, now that I've learned how to do um, like this little snip um, tool, I can kind of take a portion of my computer screen and take a picture of it and then save it. And so I found the three local churches nearest to us and I snipped their mass schedule for the week. So we could map out together <laughs> for the month of August, what are we going to do to make daily mass? And I like that. And then when I called you, I was so proud. You said, I've already done that. Do you know how many photos I have on my like photo roll of just things I want to do and plans and things to buy, recipes to make, activities to go to? It's a rhetorical question because I have no idea. So many. Like if you looked at my photo roll for like a whole week, you would see my mind just going, bah, 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 bah. question, question, question. Like, how do I fix the grass? How do I grow this certain plant? How do I prepare a certain keto meal? How do I um, look up flights that are, you know, shorter than, I don't, lo- just so many different things that come to my mind. And if I, when I go and look at my photo roll, I actually have more photos of like searches than of like actual photos. And it makes me a little tired because I see all the things I didn't get to. Is that so sad? <laughs> it's so sad. Well, I use a Google Doc to do my things to do list. And then what I do is um, when I, I, I put them on there and then I kind of reorder them based on what am I going to do today and how am I going to prioritize them. But then a lot of these tasks are not just, oh, I sent an email to this person. Now now the entire action is done and I can erase it. But no, I'm waiting for their response. So now I have to color code it. So I've got things color coded in red for things that I've done, that I've completed myself, and I'm waiting for someone else to respond. I color code things in green if I've done something, but I still need to take a further action on it. So I'm kind of making some progress on it. Right. How do you put color on a, a to do thing? Oh, I just I, I just changed the color of the text. Oh, yeah. you actually take time to highlight it and color. It just it? takes a second. Well, because I keep that file open through the course of the day. Oh, because I'm going it. back and I'm tracking. Okay. You know how's you, my day you going? You do have a lot of tabs open at the end of the day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it's it, you know it's just a, a helpful thing in that way. Anyways, so I'm excited, Carrie, to to map out like. When are we going to go to mass in the morning? When are we going to go at noon? When are we going to go in the end of the day and, and fit it in? Um, so do you have um, anything that you want to share about that? Like the motivation for it or the... Oh, I wish I was more inspiring. I think my real like resistance is how far some of these churches are. Like some of them are a half hour away. And some of the times that are closer are just so early. So I know this sounds really... Do you need a driver? <laughs> I don't know. And a pillow? I need new life. I don't know. I just, like, I'm starting at minus five as far as motivation, which is really sad. But that's just where I am. What can I say? 
But you know, Carrie, I really appreciate that. Like, you just sort of like saying it the way it is. But I know that when we talk about this, there's a way in which um, you have brought up the link between, like, I don't know if you want to call it like a makeover, right? So like what the Lord is doing in us with regards to healthy eating, that that builds momentum and it also raises an awareness about, well, wait a minute, what are the real important things that we ought to be focused on? Well, you know, it, it's it's great at a, at, at a human level and even from a faith perspective to eat well, right? I'll have energy to be there as a husband and a father. I'll be more healthy. I'll be around longer. I'll, I'll, I'll have more, you know, all of those benefits that we've talked about. But wait a minute, the eternal good the kingdom break in good is more associated with the other kinds of goods that the Lord can be bringing into our lives, especially in the summer where things are just a bit slower. I feel like in this year of 51, however old I am, that I realize August is a month where you start to get a little bit more organized and put together and because you've had that break of July and part of June, that there's a more serious like undertaking of, okay, what, what am I doing this fall? Or what are we about as a family? And, and I don't know if it's our anniversaries in August, but I really feel like this is the time of year where I start a budget. And when I start to like calculate everything and look at the last two months, okay, and get a little bit more like focused on what we need to do in the fall. And it's also where our kids have had that space, and now I'm like, okay, what are we doing? What are we about? It's just more intentional and serious, but not in a heavy way, but, but in like excitement. Like, let's go. There's there's something ahead of us. And I don't necessarily feel that same emotion with what's going on in the world, but there is a way in which God can come in the back door or he can come in a side door and unfold to you what's really in your heart. Because when we pray to our Father and say, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. I really feel like we're asking the Father's will to be our will. And I love the scripture where it says, one will put 1,000 to flight. And I don't know if that's demons or the enemy or whatever it is, but two will put 10,000 to flight. It's like from Leviticus or Deuteronomy. I don't know. Deuteronomy? Yeah, it's in the Old Testament, there are a few of these contrasts. Like when you are not following God, 5,000 of you, God, you of God's people will be afraid of one. But if you are living in God, then one of you will put to flight 5,000. And then even more, if there's two of you, right? Two yeah. of you will put to flight 10,000. And I think that sometimes I forget we're in a spiritual warfare. And it excites me when I think, okay, one of us can chase a 1,000 but two, in unity as a husband and wife, can do so much more damage or make so much more progress. And I feel like, you know, I'm, in, I'm strong in prayer alone, but when you pr- where two or three are gathered or where there's that intensity of prayer with two, like I know you're praying the rosary on your own on Facebook, and I just feel the sense that God's slowly like prodding me. Like you need to be helping Wait, your husband. Can you say that again out loud? No, this is on the I will radio. Not be this is actually recording. This I'm gonna... second time. If you didn't get it, sorry. <laughs> but there's a way in which I just feel this nudging, and I really am resisting certain things. And so, I don't. Know, I think it's important to discern that. So I just think it's so much mightier when you have someone joining you, and especially your spouse. And I, there's this quote by Tim Keller. He's like a evangelical Protestant minister, a very popular writer. And he talks about what is a lasting marriage. Like, what do you need to have a marriage that's really built on a firm foundation? And he says, the commitment to each other's holiness and your endeavor to be holy are key. That is what it's about to a lasting marriage. And any smaller purpose, any smaller desire, any smaller goal, and you're playing at being married. You're not really married. You're not truly living out that vocation. And so I think like, of course, we would go to mass every day together. But I feel like also my own selfish desire to make excuses or to say this just seems like a lot of driving because we have to drive like an hour round trip. I don't know. And and part of that prayer is, Lord, move us closer to our heart's desire, not just spiritually, but physically. Move us to a place where we're closer to those places 
where we should be attending church. And I think, you know, my mom has always said that you should be one block from your church so you can go to Mass daily. And I didn't quite know what she meant, but right now in this state in my life, I'm like, oh, I make a lot of really good excuses if I have to drive an hour. (laughs) What about nine minutes? All right, we're up against a break. Back in a minute on Sound Insight. (laughs) Welcome back to the program. This is Tom Carnum with my wife, Carrie. We're talking about summer motivation and what the Lord is doing. What can the Lord do? And I, it's something that I always bring up, Carrie, when I like pray the rosary on Facebook. It from like a, uh, a, a one level, one like lens. Oh, this rosary happens because of me. I'm the one who sets the alarm. I'm the one who gets up. I'm the one who comes down. I'm the one who creates the, the, the live post. I'm the one who clicks go live. And then it's like, okay, I put in my part. I did, took all the initiative. I got all of this going. Okay, Lord, I hope you show up. Lord, did you, get, did you get the invitation? And if that's how I really looked at it, then I'd have it completely backwards. Because in our Catholic way of looking at things, rooted in the scriptures and certainly lived out by the great saints and, and embodied in the teaching of the church, is the idea that all authentic prayer begins in heaven. And it's such a beautiful way of understanding it that prayer is a gift. It's always a gift, always a gift, no matter how much it looks like it begins with our human effort. Now, that gift, that grace might stir and might also call for serious effort, a determined effort. And the catechism doesn't hide that. There's that whole section called the battle of prayer. Prayer's a battle. It's a battle to actually get to prayer time. It's a battle when we're actually in our prayer time. But at the root, at the foundation, is this gift from God. So when I think about like all the efforts we're doing this summer with all the things that we're doing this summer, my hope is that underneath those human efforts, those determined efforts, there is that um, layer, that foundation of grace of God's gifting, of God's urging, of God's prompting. So when I think about going to Mass, same thing, right? Um, Is it going to require a bit of effort? Yeah, a determined effort. Well, yeah, some sacrifice, some willingness to reorganize our schedule and to lock things in and say, this is our commitment. Um, But trace it all back, Carrie. It's, it's, It's a gift of grace. So you're looking at me and nodding. So... Do you have anything you want to say about that? No, it's a gift. It's a gift. So when I think about this, I think about it in terms of the the call that we have as being a married couple. Like, it's one of those, don't, of course. If the reason why God put us together is that as a result of you and me being married, as a result of you being married to me, you're, you're going to become a saint. That means that I better be asking myself, by how I am relating to you as a husband, are you being sanctified? Are you growing closer to God? Are you going deeper into the reality of your daughterhood, that you're a daughter of the Father, that um, you are His? And why wouldn't I want to bring you to that place where heaven and earth touch? Why wouldn't I bring you to that place where you would receive the living Lord Jesus in an intimate, personal way in the Eucharist? Why wouldn't that be like a first concern of mine? Um, because a seed fell on rocky soil or among the thorns. <laughs> I'm just being honest. I mean, sometimes it's not always from the pure good heart that we are seeking him. It's we're distracted or... Distraction, dispersion, diversion, right? The three enemies of the spiritual life. And so Thank I just, you, St. Bonaventure. Yes, I just feel like I'm always fighting that. I'm always trying to say... And, and it's not like that conversation ever ends. It but it's kind of tiring if it just doesn't go deeper. It gets discouraging if I just feel like I remain in this place of apathy. And there are moments and there are spaces of joy and and peace and rest, but I feel like part of me just longs for so much more, and yet I'm not attaining it, so it can be discouraging. So do you you ever like, um, like look for little victories and then celebrate them? Yes. 
<laughs> Does that sound like? A, yes, of course I do. Do you? Because um, I think would, I do. I do a better job of that than you do. Yes, I think you do. You're always celebrating um, the kids. Like if I'm like something's not quite right with some one of our children, you'll be like immediately point out the positive. Like well, I yeah, feel like, like we're like on. Why bi- are there still things on this uh, in this room that are messed up? And I'm like, wow, you guys are you guys are doing such a no. Good- you're saying, oh, you guys get along so well. You just love each other. I just don't know. You guys are such great friends. So this is it is that we're, we're hitting at different levels, like different layers? Like you're focused on the like the visible layer of yes. Look, this is this is a no brainer. A kid cleans up after himself. Don't uh, leave the bowl. Don't leave the apple core. Don't leave the trash. Pick it up. Um, and yeah. I'm, I'm slicing through at the like more philosophical, spiritual level. Like, no, I wouldn't say that. I'd say, <laughs> yeah, you're the more holy one. No, I think you actually are more relational. I'm more um, like the physical, practical. Yes, the sensate. I see things that are not quite done right, or I notice them quicker. And but then I also notice things that need to be fixed or done. Where you're like visionary, or we need to. Um, go in this direction. You're more like, I don't even know. It's not intuitive. I'm not sure. I think that um, like w- there was that new distinction I came up with that I'm more of a visionary and you're more of an idealist. And like a visionary is connected to the current reality in a way that says, I can see the, I, I can see what is envisioned already hidden in a hidden state in what is present. Uh, you're more of an idealist where you recognize the ideal and you see the the distance that exists between that and what's real and that gap can lead to a kind of frustration. Yeah, it's probably true. And I also feel a little bit guilty if I'm I'm more like bossy, like telling the kids to do all these jobs where I actually could probably be doing them. I would have said bossy. I would have said naggy. <laughs> Thanks, but maybe Tom. the dogs should know you <laughs> nag me, but you boss them. Actually, I think you boss me too sometimes. Should we just keep going in this direction? This is this good. Is I like this. Really so good I'm interviewing me. you here. This is- <laughs> Don't feel like that. See, and I think wording is so important because I've heard many different words being used that are like, oh, honey, you should try those words. Those are more encouraging versus nagging or bossing. Um, is that what I'm saying to you? Like I'm giving you different language? Or- no, I, I don't think your language is fresh or it's not helpful. Um, but in my own heart, see, it's interesting. We can point the finger at ourselves and accuse ourselves easily, but if other people accuse us, it's painful. So it's re- it's interesting that I am very offended when someone calls out my weaknesses, but I'm really happy to call out my own weaknesses. I don't know if that's all people, but I'm probably quicker to say this is where I struggle or this is where I fail because I don't want other people to say it, and then it's I'm vulnerable. Like I'm left with other people to say it. If I, I just say said that before. If I just say it first, right? <laughs> no one can do it, and then I'm like I'm like free and clear, so to speak. But it's still the fact that I have those weaknesses. No, I kind of like you know, as a mom, you balance like how much do I call out my kids to help and serve and um, do their part to love and to sacrifice, and how much as a mom do I do it? And there's just a very gentle, careful balance and I don't feel like I fall on the gentle side I fall in like after the third time all right that's it you guys and the kids all kind of look at me like oh okay mom I guess she means I guess she's serious now and they'll slowly like you know get up and help um so you know do you remember that like this is so interesting because I just gave this like two-hour leadership like interactive workshop with um, these like new managers at this company I'm serving and uh, I was talking about how leaders um, inspire or unleash passion in those they lead. And uh, I was referencing um, Gary Georgeson, right? Dr. Gary Georgeson, materials research scientist, has the most patents in Boeing's history. And he, he retired um, recently. But I asked him, like, in what is it that helps foster innovation and unleashes it in your team? And he said, well, the key is love. And I'm like, what? Boeing, <laughs> managers, <laughs> getting the best out of their people. It's not like command and control. He says, yeah. no, it's love. You love them, and then they trust, and they open up, and this and that. So I took that. I actually played a video of him, and then I um, I used three phrases. I go before you, I am with you, and I've got your back. 
and I used the three words accountability, encouragement, and support. So when you, as a parent, are loving with regards to something like do your chores, sometimes you go before them. You model the way and you uphold a standard and you ask and you ask them to be accountable to live out the standard. Like this is your job. You don't get to go out till you do this. It's done. It's that's just expected behavior. I go before you and I uphold the standard and model the way. The, the second is I'm with you. And so I'm with you is literally I'll do the job with you or I'll cheerlead you on. I'll encourage you. I'll see, wow, look how look how look how good you're doing. Look how much progress you've made. Look at look at how far things have, have progressed. So it's that I am with you right here and now and even rolling up my sleeves with you. And then there's I've got your back. So that's encouragement. And then the third is support. And then the support is where, you know what, you're having a hard day, or you're just exhausted, or this is just too much for you. I, I got you covered. I'll do this. I'll do the task, and I'm not going to blame you. I'm not going to hold it over your head. I'm actually in your place. Yeah. Right? I'm going to just do this for you. I think those are really important to remember as a mom and as parents that sometimes I'll just say, let me just do the pans for you, and I know you're tired and you've had a long day, or I'll be like, let me help you clean your room and just go in and beside them and help them. Um, leading the way is probably hardest because you don't really know if they see you. And there, and as a as a mom of a lot of kids, there's just so much to do. And there's so many tasks. And begrudgingly, I will look around and go, well, why are you guys just kind of all sitting around hanging out talking? <laughs> like, doesn't everyone see all that needs to be done? And right. so... Or why are you wasting your life, right? And- well, <laughs> I don't know why I say that, but maybe what is your time about? Probably in that way. I, But I think, Tom, that love is key. I think that's actually a really good insight in what does that look like in the home. And, you know, it's you like can love say, will show the way. Go ahead. Well, you can say, of course, I love my kids. Of course, I care for them. But there's very specific, um, concrete ways in which a parent would show love to a child that could see it. You know, it's in the air for, you know, it's mostly in the air. And I guess, you know, one would take it for granted. But there are ways in which a mom or dad could stop and think, how can I show love to this child? How can I make this child's moment better? What can I do? You said it, this moment, right? This moment, this task in their current state with the current task that they are facing, right? Like loving them well means that in your toolkit, in your awareness, you have the ability to take up, I have the ability to take up an attitude that says, I'm holding you accountable, do your job. Or, you know what, let's get this done. You're doing a good job, I'm with you. Or, you know what, just take the, take a break. I got, got you covered, right? So love means having all three of those available. And it was interesting to listen to these managers talk about it because, you know what, they're sharp enough to know like, hey, this love thing and love showing up in these three forms, this is like stuff that's really good in the home. I'm like, yeah, yeah, I said I want to give you a hint. Like, you want to become a great leader? Be a great human being. Because the things that make you a great human being are going to make you a great leader. And and so um, and so they got it. And I'm like, you might be in a room, in a meeting, or with three of your direct reports, or here, let's translate it to us. You might be sitting at a table with three of your kids. And, and one of them, love means requiring accountability. And the second one, right next to them, it might mean a word of encouragement. And the third one might mean, I got you covered. I'm just going to support you. You're off the hook. And for the kids to realize that my job in discerning well might mean like a variety of expressions of love. And it's not, I'm showing favoritism. It's not someone's getting off easy. No, it's let love decide. Love will lead the way. Yeah, and I always go back to the Dr. Laura quote, which I think, you know, when you stop and think about this and the the situation or the relationship of marriage, it makes so much sense because it convicts me in a way where I'm able to be more concrete in the action. She says if each spouse is seeking the comforts, the happiness, and the interests of the other, then love will grow. And it's like, well, do you know the comforts of your child or spouse? Do you know what makes your child happy? Like what actually makes them happy? Because it varies. Or interest, like in the busyness of our life and our kids, and you actually have to take time to converse with them. Like today I was asking Liliana, whose birthday's coming up, 
And I was like, so what do you want for your birthday? Like, what would you actually like? What kind of candy do you like? Would you like to go to a restaurant? Would you like to have an outing with your friends or a, have your friends come over and spend the night with a movie night? Would you like to, do you want new shoes? Do you want new clothes for school? Would you like, you know, how about like toiletries, like lipstick, not lipstick, but um, nail polish and face masks that girls like to do that. And she's kind of like, yeah, I don't want any of that. I don't want clothes. I don't want shoes. I don't want any of the. And she's very relational. And she's like, I would just love to like have a movie, go out to the movies with two of my friends. Or I'd love to have like one of my friends come stay the night. Or if we could go to Silverwood for a day. <laughs> it was all about relationships. And so I think when you talk about, well, what are your interests of your kids? It's not just where they fought, what's their love language, but what are their books, hobbies, pastimes? I'm a, I don't know. What do they actually like to do? Well, and I really like that. Like, it makes me stop and, and say, okay, let me reflect on that quote where Dr. Lara was saying, you know, what will make a marriage grow in love is when I'm focused on what makes you comfortable, what makes you happy. happy. <laughs> Right. And and immediately I start jumping into my little philosophical distinctions and say, well, authentically happy or just satisfied at a at a at an emotional or felt level at the level of your appetites, right? I think it depends on the person's depth. Like I think comforts and interests and happiness will depend on the, that couple's ability to receive, you know, or to go into that area. Yeah, I, I think so. But it's like, um, I, I think of that other quote that our daughter wrote to us in a letter, like, Dad, thank you for loving me enough not to let me get away with things that you know are not good for me. That's not comfortable. And she wasn't happified in that moment. So, all right, we'll, we'll continue this in, in a minute on Sound Insight. Welcome back to the program. This is Tom Curran. I'm with my lovely wife, Carrie. Carrie, thanks for being here. Three days running. Let's go. Let's go. Yeah. So it's, yeah, I'll just leave it there. So Carrie, where we left off was this idea of um, what will make, like what will make us happy in married life. I always go to John Paul II, that gift message. I always gift. I'm a steward. I'm to give myself as a gift. Don't take myself too seriously. Those four sentences. And that third sentence, I'm to give myself as a gift. It's pouring myself out. It's forging my life into a gift, which means what? I'm going to focus time, energy, attention, like that sense of like, where are you right now? What are you in need of right now? What am I sensing? What am I picking up? How do I give of myself? To you right now, and I think that these questions of what Dr. Laura says, where they're—I don't know why she uses comforts, interests, and happiness—but you could actually ask those questions of your spouse or your kids. I mean, I don't actually know always what would make my child most happy or most comfortable, or what are their interests in a way where you see them as a person and you take time to find out or. Just it actually takes time to actually take time and pause and say, well, what would bless them? I mean, sometimes in adoration or in prayer, this is a really good question to bring to the Lord. Like, I really am having a hard time with this child. What can I do to to bless them and to love them? Like, Lord, how do you see them? And then actually, kind of creatively, let the Holy Spirit awaken some new ways of loving them. Because then it's inspired and it doesn't feel like such a human effort, but it feels like God is with you and he's helping you in this difficult under, you know, undertaking. It's not always easy to love. I mean, I feel like all, I just sometimes say like all love in that way is suffering. It's a self-sacrifice. If it's truly love, there's a suffering involved because you are sacrificing your interests. You're sacrificing your happiness. Your comforts. Your comforts. You your have to ease. get up. You have to go make yep. the meal. You have to clean up the kitchen when you don't want to, and they should help you. And they're, you know, just letting them have the night off or a time off, or you're just trying, whatever, whatever. You know, God sees it, and you see it, and you know it's just a struggle because you feel it inside you that trying to die to self. But all love is suffering. I don't know if that's very encouraging, but look at Jesus on the cross. It's so, free suffering. Well, put it this way. It at least entails the possibility of suffering. Well, and it's right? not suffering without reward. It's not suffering without joy. It's not suffering without the greatest sense of... Spirit- it's redemption. Redemption, yeah. Right, I mean, so if you see, yeah, you should probably not leave it at that, like all of suffering. You should, you should probably continue. Put it this way. All suffering love redeems. 
right? So all oh, suffering, love, redeems. So anytime that you're giving of yourself and it requires a death to self, and, and if it is really a giving of self, then it is an emptying. And that is a kind of dying. It's a dying to the sense of I, I'm not holding in reserve my time and my energies for my own my own good. But no, I see a higher good here and I'm going to pursue that. It's, um, it, and you know, it, like that is, we have to teach our kids this. Like, but you said, I want to pick up something you said that I'm kind of embarrassed to admit that like you talked about going into adoration and praying for your kids and saying, Lord, Lord, help me to understand, like, how can I love them better? Or Lord, teach me about like how to delight them or how to like, give me more insight into them, Lord. I don't know if I've ever, and you said it way better than that. You said it more simply and succinctly. For sure. (laughs) I think I usually pray about you. Like how can, especially when I go to. No, I'm always praying for my kids, right? You know, I pray for my kids every single day intently, but I don't do it with that kind of sort of dialogical approach where it's like, Lord, you gave me this kid. Lord, like, what do you think's going on there? Can you give me some help? I I really would get more, I would love more insight. (laughs) That's because I question. (laughs) Yeah. Well, you know what? I think one of the things that, I have seen a really positive impact on our kids' lives and on my life is the fact that you are very curious about excellence. Like you have such a, like an interest in people who live extraordinary lives. You've always had that. Like I remember in our early years, you were like, do you, I remember when um, Princess Diana died and Mother Teresa died like two days later. And it was like, you know, the two most famous women in the whole world, right? Uh, and you were crying over Princess Diana. And it, it was just, do you remember that? Yeah, and I think it was our first miscarriage. We You're just right. finished You're teaching right, a year at St. Francis. And there was just a lot of emotions going on. But yes, I do remember that. It was very raw and so... Um, uh, there was an excellence. There was like a human, I don't know how to describe it, but there's something that you yearn for in the depths of you. You, you. Your heart aches for excellence. You ache for perfection. You desire, it's, I don't think it's fame, but it's good. Something that's just beautiful. I think that like if I had to try to say what's common about the people that you point to and that um, achieve a, a status, a visibility, whether it's fame or riches or influence, power, nobility, you know, it's some ne- kind of noble thing. It's not, it's not about the money thing, but it's that, it's that they work hard. They are relentless. They don't live an easy, comfortable life. Yes, they I do love the people that are everything passionate. out on the table. That's, I think that if I just said that was the, like, they're always like asking questions like, okay, dinner time. That's a time to ask really like big deal questions and get those sewn into the kids so that they're talking about them. Like I remember you <laughs> talking about that, right? And and it was like how early they got up, how hard they worked, how dedicated they were, right? Like that I don't know if that's sort of the common thread in the um in, in the people that you would point to. Um well, least, I, I mean I sh- I'm sure when we look at the saints um, it it's not riches. I know that it's not fame. It's passion. It's passion to do the best, not just the best, like a sport. Cause I really don't get excited about a great athlete. It's more for the sake of others. When those people live on behalf of others and they give everything for the sake of the other good, the others good, that really inspires me. I mean, don't you think that would be naturally inspiring? Yeah. I If I thought about like the saints, the thing that regularly humbles me is their generosity. Yes. I think that's probably the word is that they like they have this sense of being like, Lord, you can you can ask anything from me. And you know what? I'm going to outdo you. I'm going to like like I, I, I there's no limits to to what they're willing to sacrifice or take on uh, give up give over and and like the harsh like conditions they live under 
all in the pursuit of Jesus and his glory, his kingdom for themselves, for the church, for earth, for the earth, for human beings. It's so humbling, especially when it's kids, right? Like yes. when I when I read about um, Saints Jacinta and Francisco from Fatima, like after the, the apparitions ended, the, the remaining years that they lived, which were so few, they were so like generous and zealous in sacrificing for poor sinners. It was really pure of heart. Well, they did see hell, so that was helpful. Talk about a motivator. (laughs) Hey, they saw Mary, they saw hell, they saw St. Michael. Yeah, right. No, there is a purity to the youth or to the young saints that is so endearing and... and Heroic. Yeah, it is really heroic. Um, So that's actually good, Tom. So it's not passion, because there's some people that are very passionate about dumb things. It's those who do it on behalf of others, and they're generous to give to others and yeah. to put others before them. And well, and the again, good. the classic definition of generosity is that you strive to give more than you've received. Yeah, that, like, that is a great way to live life. Like, I, that's my goal. I, I strive to receive more than I give. So, yeah, that's probably why. <laughs> Just kidding. I love you, dear. I know you're being clever with that little <laughs> turn of phrase. It's kind of hard not to live generously. Well, I generously think that is our human, I think that is our well, and that's God's grace to me. It wasn't like, hey, let's have more. It was, I'm going to show. Hey, ca- I love you, Carrie. I love you so person, much. Right? I'm going to yeah. burden you with nine kids so you learn how Way to die you to yourself. Crack you yes. down. Well, that's Amen. that whole misfortune fortune thing, right? Yes. It's thank God for the gift of misfortune because it humbles us. It drives us to our knees. It makes us fall on our faces. It makes us rely on the Lord. It makes us realize, wait a minute, the comforts of this world do not heal. The wounds of resentment, they don't bring about forgiveness, they don't reconcile, they don't introduce mercy, and they, they don't uh, extend faith, they don't make us generous, right? No, it closes us in on ourselves, it makes us want to isolate, it makes us want to live more self-centered lives too often. Yes. Because it just keeps us focused on the world rather than on the, the world to come, breaking into this world. And that's really what we want. We want to live, we want to be radiant doorways for God's kingdom to show up in this world. And that just, it requires generous willingness to sacrifice, generous love. Mass every day. Wow, what a big sacrifice. (laughs) Oh, wow, what generosity. God bless us. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. All right, we're up against a break. Back in a minute with more Sound Insight. Welcome back to the program. This is Tom Kern. Great to be with you. And Carrie, in this final section, we got a lot to cover. I'd, I'd like to just bridge that whole point about, like, I know that I want my kids to be able to love in the way that you're talking about, generously, with a willingness to suffer and give of themselves. I think that's why I've been put, like, especially for my boys, such a focus on doing hard work. And um, kind of neat that um, today, this is, like, you guys are hearing this Thursday night, we're recording it. Today, they spent a good chunk of hours out in the hot sun uh, putting up a fence outside. Manual labor, hard work, and they're doing it again today. They're going to finish the project, and I'm thrilled with it. And and the reason is, is that uh, I remember when my dad would have us do this kind of stuff. I remember one day in particular, he brought us to this, like, out in the woods, and this guy had like some property and we were like carrying wood, moving it around, logs and it was a long hard day of work and they had a pond there on the property and dove in the water. It was just like, you know, it wasn't like perfectly clean, but it was like per- it was just so refreshing and it felt so good to work so hard and see progress, see something done. And I was actually really surprised when they came home with you. They looked beat. They looked tired, but they weren't whining or complaining. And it was like this reminder to me, yes, they feel the, the, um, the uh, what's it called? They feel that, the, that positive sense of, of, um, of, of pride over, I did a good job. I was productive. I got something done. You know, that's a really powerful thing. And so um, anybody else that needs help like that, I'll send my kids over, right? So <laughs> this is the third time they've done it. We actually got a really nice card from one of the other families that we helped 
um, about how respectful they were and diligent and working hard and and they were grateful to us for for helping them uh, I thought that was really really sweet um, but you know what it's it, it really has to do with using time well using your time well the precious little amount of time that we have in life to do like things that will build up that sense of um, different forms of love and one of the ways that you mentioned earlier was I'll talk about the kids experiencing a communion of persons, even if they're making a mess, and I'll highlight that. And um, you've got something over there that was a basis for a really neat experience just the other night of a communion of persons. Well, and I also think when we talk about how do people receive gifts and what makes them happy or what brings them comfort or what makes them, um, you share in their interests, I think that this is kind of in alignment with that. So in looking at how do you celebrate your kids' birthdays, you know, I think as a culture, we tend to go towards gifts, like material things. And maybe at the next level, it would be do kind of events or outings or special memory-making moments, um, even food. Like I know a lot of birthday celebrations are around restaurants or their favorite meal. But my brother in our family Bible study text sent out a message and asked for all of us to do something for him, which I thought was so endearing and much to his like own personality liking. But I wish that I would look for those kinds of, you know, opportunities and other people, but I just don't think like, oh, I should do this for my kid. But I think it's such a powerful, so much more meaningful than a material thing. No, I'm just building up to it. Oh, you Can are. you feel That's the good. suspense? I was like, come on, come on, come on. Let's get to it. <laughs> well, the funny thing is he wrote, instead of, you know, everyone on our group chat, it's like so-and-so's birthday, everyone wish him a happy birthday. But he just started out really early in the morning saying, hey, today's my birthday. <laughs> and so he kind of just put it out there and he goes, for a blessing, I'd ask each of you to ask his most Holy Spirit for a word. As I know you are all vessels of his light and truth. For direction and calling and whatever God, by His measure, may put upon your heart, please send it to me directly, if you could, and are so inspired, as I know each of you are called. Thank you for your precious hearts and the souls you possess, to enable God to reach down and whisper into my heart, love, in my brother's name. And so I was just reading that and talking with you, Tom, earlier. Like, wouldn't it be cool if as parents we were to ask the Lord for a word for our kids or to give some kind of, you know, you don't have to frame it that way, but to write them a letter or a card and put a couple scriptures in there and just say, this is who I see you to be in light of who Christ is to us. Well, Mary Grace gave me a birthday letter like that, right? She said, I was praying for you and this is what the Lord gave me. And then she had like a poem and and a scripture and a, and a, and a letter and, and a, and I love that. I mean, it's a it's a powerful idea. I um, I love I I'm big on words of affirmation, and and for years I would do it in writing, uh, but now I do it more in speech with everybody. And but there's a, it tends to be a combination of the two. But the very specific thing, the very 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 specific request of your brother was, look, I believe in the charismatic gifts of the Spirit. I believe that the Holy Spirit is alive in you and will prompt in you a word, especially if you ask. And so don't just say a prayer for me, but make a specific request. Ask the Lord for a word from his heart to me through you. And that very specific thing is something that I... I don't do regularly. I, and no, no, here's the funny thing. I actually do it every day. I do it every day that I pray the rosary on Facebook. Because when I'm praying, I'm like, Lord, please stir in us who are praying words of knowledge. Stir in us who are praying insights that we are to share in comments or through me um, with my voice. So it's funny. It's like, what I do for people that I've never met online in that living platform, what I believe and have experienced so powerfully in my own life of faith, I haven't sufficiently like translated that into either our life, your and my married life, it's only taken 27 years, and in our kids' lives. Like it would be, I wonder how our lives would be different if I woke up every morning saying, Lord, 
please give me the awareness of a word that you would like me to speak today to my kids. Wouldn't that be uh, striking? Why are you sitting there? Are you pondering I'm just this? thinking, yes, sorry, I ponder. <laughs> You, you got kind of got wandered off. No. Not just... all who wander are lost. Right? <laughs> all that is gold does not glitter. Um, I'm literally thinking how would our lives be different? <laughs> no. And I think that um, those kind of words are, are those kind of presents are more everlasting. They have a tangible, they're not like a physical thing, but spiritually speaking or speaking to the heart, they have an, an impact on you way more than a, Lego set or, you know, a tea set or something like that than just getting a material thing. Yeah, absolutely. No, that makes great sense. Um, I, I'm just sort of struck by that. I also found, interestingly, that there was a, uh, uh, we got a, a message from a dear friend of ours who would pray the rosary on Rosary Live and on Facebook. And she um, talked about going to another online um, place of prayer ministry for people. And it was with Dr. Mary Healy and um, like Ralph Martin's ministries along with uh, Peter Herbeck. And I, you know what, I, I took some joy in it, but I think there was like a sliver of like, hey, wait a minute. Because I had, when Dr. Healy was out here, uh, Mary, we've known her for 25 years. Um, I was saying to her, look, you've got this amazing gift. Come on. Um, come on, uh, I, love my, I love my Catholic faith, and pray a rosary. And prayed ministry prayers for people. Here, watch one, and then come on. And she said, oh, I can do it two months from now. And, you know, she's very scheduled. <laughs> she's very organized. Well, then to come to find out that she's doing this in her own location with um, another very charismatic, anointed man of God. Um, and I think it's through Encounter Ministries, which, again, is probably one of the most exciting things, if you want to use that word, happening in the Catholic Church in America today, which is this like anointing and openness for signs and wonders that are um, are to be expected and sought after today. Like that, you have this uh, participation in this anointing of of new signs and wonders. In fact, um, your sister and brother in law are in, involved in that ministry in Seattle. No, is this a Facebook group? You can go. I don't know. I want to go find out. Uh, I, I want okay. to go see how they do it. I want to, because the the feeling I got from the message was they have kind of like a charismatic prayer meeting. Yeah, it sounds, then, seemed live. And so it's a live prayer meeting. So it's probably some praise and worship. And then they are just open to pray for petitions as they come in or intercessory requests. So for me, I'm like, praise be to God that there are more Catholics who are like getting on board and realizing that if you're going to be able to do live, do something that can actually make a difference yeah, live. Yeah, that's so true. In the lives of those who are there. So, but Carrie, what a great question. I, I, I'm going to ponder that some more. Like, how will my prayer life change now because of this conversation? Like, will I actually start praying? And I, you know what? I will. I'm going to start praying very intentionally. Lord, give me words today. Give me senses and words for my wife and for my kids. Don't just like guide me, Holy Spirit, but be very explicit in requesting that these gifts of the Spirit that the Lord gives us in order to accomplish our mission and fulfill His ministry, why wouldn't they be operating in marriages and in families? Yes, that's so, so good. That's so good. Well, thank you, Carrie, for that, and thanks for walking with me through this program. Hey, just pray God's blessings on you. On Monday, we're going to part two of the book club, Father Robert Spitzer's book, Christ versus Satan in Our Daily Lives with Father Nagel and Father Lewis. Please join me then. God bless your weekend.